0: back. It's time for Customers Who Click. Today's topic is really important because it affects every e-commerce business out there. Some do it too much too early and some don't do it nearly enough. This is of course email segmentation and today's guest is Georgie Carter, founder of Pept, a lifestyle marketing agency for e-commerce brands. We're going to be talking about what the purpose of segmentation is and how brands can effectively segment their audience. Let's get Georgie on now. Hi Georgie, thanks for joining me today. Would you mind just, uh, just a bit of an int- introduction to yourself, bit of your background, and uh, how you've got to where you are today?
1: Yeah, of course. So yeah, I'm Georgie. I'm the founder of Peps. We're a email and SMS marketing agency. So we specialise in working with uh, direct consumer brands, primarily in the sort of health wellness space. And our main focus is really working with clients to make sure that they are sending the right comms to the right people at the right time. So really about um, A lot of customer retention and helping brands and clients sort of make sure they're driving a lot of revenue through email and SMS as channels. We're based here in London, a team of six, and yeah, work with brands from sort of um, all over the sort of health, wellness space in the US and the UK. So yes, that's us.
0: Awesome. So uh, what got you into this? What made you start an agency?
1: Oh, yeah. Good question. So I, prior to Stars and Peps, I worked at a, or in-house at a, a brand or business called Houzz, H-O-U-Z-Z. So it's a website and app for home redesign, a big US company, and they were just launching in the UK when I joined. They just launched into about 14 different countries and then grew very quickly. And I was leading the international lifecycle marketing there. And um, so sort of, yeah, I learned my email and SMS marketing skills there and i've actually always wanted to do my own thing have my own business um to jump ship uh shop on my own and sort of scaled from there really so i started off doing a bit of freelancing and then took on my own freelancers then a team of employees so yeah sort of grown organically from that initial yeah sort of jumping off the cliff moment when you go from being employed to not um but now i haven't looked back it's been a great experience and really loved the sort of brands we're working with got a great team so it's yeah been a big learning curve but a good one
0: yeah, awesome. Sounds good. Cool. So how do you get customers clicking with their email and SMS?
1: Yeah, good question. So I think the sort of the key thing here is, or the sort of crux of it, is, having, is sending engaging content to you know, the right people at the right time. It all comes down to making sure that your comments are relevant and are engaging and that they're personalised as possible. The more they are of all those things, the more likely people are to click. So it's just about cutting through that noise, making sure that you have got yeah you know, as personalised comments as possible and that you know, your comes feel relevant and therefore more enticed or more encouraged to, to be part of that. So not sending that sort of blanket all type campaign, but very much more segmented based on where, you over know, a variety of different reasons from sort of where someone is in their customer journey through to their past behavior, their needs, the data that you have on them. I'm sure we'll dive into all that in uh, the next sort of half an hour or so. But I think from our perspective, from some sort of email and SMS side of things, it's really about making sure that you're able to cut through all the noise out there and and send really relevant comms using that segmentation as a key pillar of that. Yeah,
0: yeah, cool. So one thing I just want to touch on before we really kind of dive into segmentation is, like, I guess firstly, what is the purpose of segmentation, and also like how does it differ from personalization Because I wonder if there's a bit of a maybe a bit of confusion about those two. Yeah,
1: probably is a bit of confusion, and to be fair, it is a slightly. There is. A, quite a bit of overlap and it can be a bit of a kind of a gray area i think the purpose of segmentation is to group people with sort of similar characteristics interests behaviors or needs to create a really targeted messaging whereas personalization is more involved with sort of creating unique experiences for those individuals by using sort of data the insights to to tailor your messages you know pulling in relevant products services experiences that are sort of specific to their their preference and characteristics so yeah, segmentation is really about the sort of the base case of grouping people based on their interests, behaviors, needs, for example. And personalization, obviously, that's sort of step further and is much more about the individual. And then using those data and insights to tailor the individual messages.
0: Yeah, so I suppose you're using segmentation to create a group of customers, and then use personalization to then tailor each of those messages to those people. Just to make sure that message is actually super relevant to them. Yeah, cool. So, how can brands effectively segment their audiences? What's what would you say are top kind of top tips and a strategy for that?
1: Yeah, the top tips. <laughs> to do, yeah, I'd say the third, the sort of a couple of key things here. The first is to, and maybe sounds obvious, but is to collect data. You need the data on you know demographics, preferences, behaviours in order to be able to then segment using that data. So, you know. You, Brands will often have data that they're collecting sort of organically as people are purchasing checking out giving them their address card details you know maybe even birth if they're asking for that sort of information there's sort of that inherent data that you're collecting that customers are giving you, but you can always go and ask for more so thinking about using surveys preference centers tracking tracking tools to sort of gather additional data about your audience so you yeah, know data is is going to be the sort of the the sticking point here and the more you can investigate your segmentation sort of course and call or thing to focus on is making sure that you've got enough and the right kind of data to be able to then use effectively to create your segments once you've got that and it might it's always going to be an ongoing thing you know you can start where you are today and then gather more data going forwards and over time can collect more so don't think if you don't have a huge amount that you need to wait you know there's always Um, a level of segmentation that you can do based on existing data most likely and then you can sort of look together more over time. But once you've got that data once you're uh, starting to collect it next thing is really to start grouping your subscribers or your audience. So based on similarities you can segment based on demographics behavior purchase history interests. One of the things we often recommend is using RFM data so recency frequency or monetary value. That's often a really good place to start. So thinking about, yeah, those sort of key pillars and how you want to segment your audience based on the data you've got. And then the next step would be to sort of create more of that personalized content. So using that information you've gathered to then follow your messages to each of those different groups of subscribers. So and you can often automate a lot of this. So it might be something like, yeah, your abandoned cart, post-purchase follow-up, birthday emails to engage your subscribers. One of the things we've seen quite work quite recently is having a separate abandoned cart versus abandoned checkout flow and people often get confused about the difference but cart is where they added something to cart and then not even gone through to the checkout process whereas abandoned checkout they've shown a little bit more intent they've actually gone through the putting in their payment details but for whatever reason have sort of got distracted and so actually splitting the messaging there works quite well but yeah using automation is yeah
0: what is the difference in in terms of messaging there
1: yeah, so it's a subtle difference, but what we found works well is so for abandoned cart, so they've added something to the cart but they haven't started checkouts, There's potentially a little bit less and in, less intent. They haven't actually gone through to that adding that in their cart details process. So it's potentially a little bit more of a lighter touch, encouraging them to actually continue with their checkouts you know they may have got distracted for whatever reason so just nudging them back into that process potentially offering some sort of incentive but i wouldn't do that on the first email i would potentially wait maybe a second or third um and then your abandoned checkout is higher intent people they so started putting in their address their payment details whatever it might be so they have actively started that checkout process and so this is these people you want to really sort of get them over the edge and make sure they are going to to check out so maybe slightly more urgent messaging maybe you do bring in a discount earlier on yeah it's an interesting one about how you know, people often will abandon your cart on purpose and wait for that discount so you have to be a little bit careful about whether you want to train your customers to to look for those discounts but this is a slightly more urgent message and so yes they are similar and but there's sort of subtle difference mainly around sort of the, the urgency that you putting people towards and sort of getting them to take that next step but that's if for any uh, anyone listening that's using claim that's segmentation that they've added to to their process so you can quite easily differentiate between people who've abandoned cart and abandoned checkouts so it's quite a nice easy win
0: yeah yeah i mean i think from a like a cro point of view the way we'd look at it is people who abandon carts yeah like you said the lower intent right they either they never intended to buy they were just you know window shopping People add to cart as a basically as a wish list sometimes. So, but I mean, that's a whole separate topic about wish list that I could go into. So, there, I think it's more about design outcomes, pain points. You know, why are our products so good? Why should you trust us as a business? But then once they get into checkout, if that's where they're abandoning, that's the like, what do you need help with? Like, what's the problem right now? What's the what's the thing that's blocked you from completing the purchase? rather than being not quite convinced about the product before
1: yeah and it's a tricky one and it? it can be it could be something super simple like yeah the doorbell went or a child started crying or whatever it might be but actually yeah, or as you quite rightly mentioned it could be other things that you know they don't know about the shipping or the something else that's some sort of blocking them so uh, yeah it's i guess making sure that you're addressing those pain points and those potential challenges answering those FAQs within that, within that email or those comms. SMS can work really well here as well, actually, you know, talking about SMS as well as a sort of touch point. Of course, that will only work for people that you've already got their phone numbers for and they're consented, so maybe second-time customers. A bit worth thinking about and maybe integrating into your information.
0: Yeah, I had, um, yeah. I had quite success with kind of conversational SMS for abandoned carts where we've just said, I can't remember what the exact messages were, but it was something on the lines of Hi, it's Will from Brand. I noticed you you left this in your cart. Do you have any questions? Like, is there anything we could help you with? Did you have any questions about the purchase or the product? And then when people responded, obviously initially we had to do it kind of on the fly and see what people responded with. But then we were able to say, We know the top five reasons people are people are abandoning their carts. And to be honest, it was probably more like a top two. Maybe three. And so we just had a template for it and we were able to say, you know, this is what you should do next. And generally, I think for one particular brand, the biggest reason was shipping, right? They were only buying Hero product. The Hero product didn't meet the free shipping threshold. People didn't want to pay for shipping. So we said, oh, why don't you upgrade to this bundle? You'll get a couple of extra complimentary items which work well with the Hero product, but you'll also get free shipping. And that worked really well. So not only was the brand able to, you know, it was increasing AOV, it was getting that conversion and it was without having to offer any actual incentive, like above what was available to anyone on the site anyway.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think free shipping or delivery charges is often the thing that gets me and I'm sure many other people, I often actually will add something to cart just to check the delivery or the shipping, because sometimes it's not clear on the website and yeah, and then sort of abandon if I realise I have to pay however much for shipping. It just feels like a bit of a, yeah, kicking the teeth after you've gone through that process. I,
0: ca- I came across a brand earlier this year, which is really cool products. Yeah, some really nice like kind of hampers and they did like Easter eggs and things. But their shipping fee was six ninety nine, just flat for everything. No, no minimum spend or anything. So it's like, you know, when you're spending 40 you know uh, one of these Easter eggs might have been like 40, 40, 40 45 pounds or something. you know they were quite big, you know they were the, like those stuffed ones that come with loads of chocolates on the inside, and then 699 you're thinking, well, that's like it's 50, like 15 percent being added on for shipping fee. I don't want to pay that. I'll go somewhere else. you know I could spend another seven pounds on product somewhere else and get and just get more instead.
1: Yeah. it's inter- And actually, that's often one of the approaches. Shouldn't, <laughs> shouldn't it's one of the reasons I often will just use Amazon because I've got Prime and it's all free and it's all, yeah, everything's stored in my account and it's just so easy. Whereas, yeah, going to a individual retailer sometimes, yeah, you've got a patient thing. All, all of that stuff is, yeah, can be off-putting. But anyway, my final point around the sort of, yeah, the segmenting your audience for better attention, I think, is really about measuring success and it often gets forgotten. So people sort of put their segmentation strategy in place they'll build a load of automations but actually the key that's almost the, the you know, starting point you then need to make sure that you're measuring on a monthly basis most likely in terms of sort of what's working what's not whether certain messaging if you're doing any a b testing which is great thinking about you know is it percentage off versus discount off versus monetary value or types of yeah types of sort of audiences that are resonating differently with your comms. so yeah measuring results is a key Piece and then obviously iterating based on learnings. I think yeah. So that's sort of the whatever that was four or five step process to, uh, to segmentation. Okay.
0: Do you find are there you know apart from things like abandoned cart versus abandoned checkout, which is quite clear, you know anyone could do that? Do you find that there are like a group of segments that just apply to every business, or is it quite a case by case understanding the business? I guess that there's probably always gonna be at least one or two. That always apply but yeah, do you find it's is it like eighty percent template will just bring these segments in or is it more like eighty percent we need to just figure it out for this business and twenty percent here is here are the segments we know we can put in?
1: Yeah. I think they're a kind of base case group of segments that most e-commerce DTC brands will likely need and it's i come back to that sort of rfm data that i mentioned earlier so segmenting by you know either number of pro- not number of times someone's purchased how recently they, they purchased are they engaged unengaged how much they've spent those are the sorts of key buckets that brands can quite easily create they'll likely have all that data anyway based on just previous purchase history and it's a really good place to start not only to work out who's engaged and who's not but also who are your best customers but who are those ones that are actually spending more with you who's bought once versus multiple times a lot of dc brands that we work with have the have a similar challenge which is they have a lot of brand a lot of customers who bought just once and then never come back so identifying those people who are second plus time purchasers and really nurturing and engaging and valuing those people is is really helpful Uh, but equally making sure that those people who have only bought once are being encouraged to make a second plus purchase. So, thinking about the comms that you can put in place or the automation you can put in place to uh, take someone from a one time purchaser and get them into their second purchase or get them into a subscription if that's something you offer. So, yes, I think there are a number of buckets or segments of people that most e com brands will need. And then there is a level of sort of personalization on top of that, depending on what you're offering. Is it a subscription service or not? Is it a service? versus the product-based business, how you know, how long people or the sort of buying cycle you know, if you're selling sofas versus skincare, there's going to be a longer buying cycle. And, and again, those sorts of nuances will come into play. But on the sort of the face of it, I think the key is sort of thinking about how people are or how often people are purchasing, how much they're spending and maybe even grouping into the types of products or services they're buying if you've got yeah. multiple skis. So yeah, I think I'd start there.
0: Yeah, okay. And... Like, uh, obviously, brands can under segment by just not really putting anything in place. But can you over segment? And, you know, is there any like consequence to that?
1: I think you can over segment. And I think it's not something we see it can happen a huge amount. But I think the challenge, you can over segment by just, ha- you know, getting to a place where you've got so few people in those different buckets that it's, not really worth your time creating various automations for them it's that the time and effort versus the return doesn't match up so i think when you are going about doing your segmentation make sure that you have got a significant number of people in various buckets that makes it worthwhile your effort and your time to go and create those different comments for them you know if you've only got 10 100 depends on the size of your database but only a you know, relatively small number of people in that day in that segment then it's not going to be worth you going into that time and effort you need to probably broaden that pool broaden that segment so that it is a significant number and therefore you're going to get return on all the, the sort of effort you're putting in so yeah i think that's probably the main way someone might over segment but it's not something i we see happen very often it's more likely to be under segmenting and they're not doing a huge amount so yeah don't worry too much if you're sort of starting from scratch i think yeah starting anywhere and sort of building up is, is good but yeah just something to be conscious of if you are a little bit more advanced in your segmentation, you can kind of get overexcited about it and go so maybe too granular, but just worth keeping an eye on the number of people in each of those different segments that you've got.
0: Yeah, I think I see it probably a bit more with smaller brands who, you know, they they probably don't maybe don't have an agency, don't have an actual email expert. So they're relying on just advice to see on LinkedIn, Twitter, blogs and things. And it gets them thinking, okay, this is all the stuff I have to do. And then they see an agency who does, you know, a a mirror board or something with like all their flows, like outlined and all the ways it can segment and people move between flows. And it makes people think, oh, I've got to get all this in place as well. And then you you look at it and you've got 20 people a month going through a certain automation and it's taking you hours to set that up and create all the emails. So, yeah, I think. Yeah. But at least, I mean, if that's the worst thing that can happen, then it's not a disaster. It's just a a bit of a wasted time. Although I suppose possibly the worst thing is that later down the line, you discover that actually the segments are correct. And then you have to, you're actually ripping up work. Yeah. Cool. So what about the way segmentation impacts different channels? So things like SMS, email, I guess like maybe direct mail. I know you don't really deal with push notifications, but you know, it's another communication method, maybe even phone calls and triggering those. It, do you find that the same segmentation kind of applies like across those, or you know, do certain channels work differently with certain segments?
1: Yeah, it's, I, I mean, I think as with all marketing channels, you know, you need to have that sort of cohesive approach, and I think the same is. with the the actual messaging and comms i think the same is um, true with segmentation in terms of you know those different buckets of people if if you're going down the rfm approach using that sort of recency frequency and monetary value buckets then that will translate across different channels whether it's sms direct mail push i think maybe the difference or where segmentation might come into play and, and be slightly different is if you're thinking about obviously people's preferences and what they have and haven't opted into so you know, you might have quite a few people on your database that are have opted for email but not SMS. And so you'll then have to just take that into obviously into consideration. But generally I think yeah having that sort of cohesive approach, making sure that those channels are all working effectively together. Email and SMS is obviously our focus and that's where we, you know, we try not to see them as sort of separate strategies. We'll try to integrate SMS into your email, uh, in a case of just being mindful of who and who has or hasn't opted into various different channels and making sure that the right message is still getting through, regardless of what they opted in for. And again, thinking about making sure they're not receiving too many or too few email SMS, but that 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 could sort of consistent message is, is coming across throughout that customer journey. So I think, I guess the sort of short answer is that yes, I think it does need to be cohesive across yeah, your entire customer base. There will be nuances. I think that's more to do with what. the channels or their preferences based on sort of what they have or haven't opted in for, and generally, as with all marketing, it probably needs to, you know, best approach is to have that sort of consistency in terms of the comms and and, and segmentation.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think, so, you know, obviously email tends to be the number one channel for CRM. You know, even in the brands where I've worked in, where we have had an, you know, email, SMS, call, direct mail, opt-in, email is always the one that gets the biggest opt-in rates. But for those people who do choose maybe just SMS, like, can you? Do you think you can run as an effective retention program if you've only got SMS? Because obviously, you kind of impacts. it, It does kind of impact the amount of communication you can do because you know, if someone hits your email inbox every day, it might be a bit annoying, but you get over it because it's not really it's not intrusive, is it? But if your phone buzzes every day with that brand. a little different
1: yeah it is different i yeah i think most brands would probably find that more people have or that there's very few people that have opted into only sms but maybe that's changing now actually because there are a lot more yeah sms is becoming much more prevalent and it's much more a trend versus even a year ago and i think that's coming over from the us they're much more open to kind of receiving text messages than we maybe are here but i think consumers are sort of changing. But yes, I think you're there. An, an email in your inbox is much less intrusive and is a sort of step removed versus someone or a brand texting you. So we found that from an SMS perspective, consumers most want to receive sort of those transactional type messages. So around their order, the states of their order, it being shipped, it being delivered, et cetera. Maybe around sort of promos, offers, sales, but it's definitely not that sort of what it's not essentially not as easy to use it for that sort of educational engagement type comms where you might have a little bit more to say it's a longer text message it's more about sort of getting that longer message across versus a sort of quick your order's been shipped or would you like to review your subscription this month or whatever it might be i think the sms the sort of the role for sms at the moment is much more around that sort of quicker transactional convenience type message versus email, which we can use sort of for longer form, have more images, of course, maybe a, you know, multiple call to actions, different sections. And it's more about kind of engagement and the education side of things. Whereas, yeah, SMS is slightly a different channel. Maybe that will change over time. But I think in terms of where where it's at now, I think I personally would probably find it a little bit intrusive if a brand was texting me multiple times a week, and I'm sure most people would. So yes, it's an interesting one. If you have got a pool of people who are, have only opted in for sms Then i guess maybe the role of other channels social or is more important in terms of getting that brand messaging across but i would have thought that most brands will have very few people who have just opted in for sms and maybe but maybe that is changing over time now it's yeah interesting yeah time will tell
0: yeah i think you're right i mean i can't think i can't think of the last time i got like a kind of educational sms from a brand or even one that said, you know, had a snippet and then said, go here, you know, whether it's uh, like an onboarding sequence or anything like that, it just doesn't happen. It tends to be the transactional stuff and then promotions to get you back. That's pretty much it. Whereas I I do think certain brands, you know, where it makes sense, they could do a like seven day, almost like a seven day course. I should use the word course. This sounds I don't know, sounds weird, but you know, I'm trying to think like Heights Nutrition maybe could do like the, as soon as you subscribe, you get seven days worth of this is why their supplement is so good for you. And, um, or it could be, you know, other exercises and things you could do to support yourself. And I think if it's just a quick, either, an, a, either a text message or a text with a link to a, a quick blog post, I think you get quite good engagement with that. Whereas it's quite easy just to kind of ignore your email. Um, yeah,
1: and there it's, that's true. And I think also talking about sort of supplements and something that you need to do daily, maybe even using SS for, from a sort of reminder point to you in the morning and that sort of thing to kind of prompt someone to do something. If, if your product is something that someone consumes on a sort of regular daily, weekly basis, that might be quite a nice way to sort of, yeah, use SS. Yeah,
0: because also, where they going to benefit by helping someone build that habit? Because my problem with it is always... I mean, I'm overloaded with heights at the moment because I don't take it every day because I forget. Even though it's on my desk in front of me, the number of days, work days where I forget, weekends I tend to forget because I'm not at my desk. So maybe just every now and again, maybe not every day, but every now and again, just getting a message. Although I suppose, you know, obviously there's a cost involved with that. So they're sending a message a day to tens of thousands of subscribers. It gets expensive. But, and it kind of brings me on to my next question, actually. What about things like WhatsApp, right? Where you don't have the, I'm not sure what's involved cost fights, but you don't have the like, message limits either, I don't think. Where do you see things going with WhatsApp? Because I'm kind of surprised it's not yet there.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, it's, you're right, it's, it's not quite there. I think consumers almost see that as a, a step further in terms of inter, into their sort of personal space i think a lot of brand, or a lot of people i don't know if you agree with this but probably have a, a lot of their text message sort of reel in their phone it, it's just text from brands i'm not sure many people text each other they say obviously whatsapp is sort of preference for mm. friends family etc and that then feels the whatsapp feels a little bit yeah almost a step further in terms of into someone's personal space if you like so i think it's It'd be interesting to watch how the US sort of tackles that because I think they're always a step further or a step ahead of us in terms of yeah you know, consumers being open to receiving text messages. They've done you know, they've received those for the last how many years, and we're always we a little bit further behind here. Partly because of the sort of regs and rules around SMS here in, in Europe, but yeah, it's an interesting one. I, we're not seeing any or very few brands who are dipping their toes into the world of SM of WhatsApp at the moment. And I think it's still a slight unknown. I think there's a little bit of trepidation around brands not wanting to go too far and be in people's personal space to actually annoy their consumers or their their audience. I think it's slightly a gray area. I think people or brands are waiting to see how others fare in that space before maybe committing. Um, SMS is certainly, we certainly see it on the rise and more and more brands are sort of, yeah, sort of shoehorning it into their existing email strategy. I think WhatsApp will come for sure. But it's. I think it might be a slower burn, and think it might take longer for consumers to be okay with it, and to sort of and you know to let brands into their WhatsApp space. If you like, and it feels for me anyway, it'd be interesting to see what you think. But I think it feels a little bit more personal than SMS, and maybe it's a step too far. Maybe for brands that you kind of are super engaged with and you absolutely love, makes sense. But I think for yeah, and that's the challenge, isn't it? So making sure that you are that that particular brand that. Yeah, you know, if you're going to do it, you need to do it really well so that it is engaging and it is adding value versus just being a pain.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. So, I mean, a lot of the people I've spoken to in the US still use text, like messaging, right? So they still use like iMessage I or text messages a lot more than we do, right? I can't remember the last personal text message I sent, right? It's uh, unless WhatsApp was down or something maybe. But otherwise, everything that I do is through WhatsApp. Even when I'm trying to get hold of a contractor or someone, I will, or business contacts, I will normally just add them as a contact and message them on WhatsApp. In terms of business experiences, I've not had many great experiences with WhatsApp so far. I think True Classics used it as a transactional thing, which was fine. I think I got a message or two from them saying, your old is in this status. And then the other experiences were, so this is years ago now, Holiday Pirates, right? They used it as a kind of newsletter, SMS service, which it had, it has a lot of potential. I think they just overdid it a bit. Basically, you could, you'd get a message saying, which of these categories are you interested in, right? Or which of these continents or which of these, you know, whatever styles of holiday. And you, all you had to do was respond the name of it, but you could respond multiple times, which meant that you could quite easily get to the situation where I think I was getting about 40 messages a day from them and it was overwhelming. And even in my archive messages, I was like, no, I can't have it there. It's got to go. after have to unsubscribe. So that wasn't great. I saw one business, a tennis racket business actually, who they, on their website, instead of a phone number, normal phone number, they had WhatsApp. They said, like, message us on WhatsApp. The downside was no one got back to me, right? Which is not great. And then the worst experience I had was it's actually Virgin Media, which probably doesn't surprise anyone who's listening. They essentially use it as a chatbot, right? But in exactly the same way as a chatbot would work on the website or chat, sorry, not just chatbot, live chat. Right. So I think it does start as a chatbot. But even when you engage with someone, if you don't respond after a certain amount of time, they time you out and you have to start everything again. Right? Which kind of defeats the purpose of moving it to WhatsApp. Right? Because I want to be able to respond when I'm ready and, and and when I can. So, you know, if I if I have to jump on a call and stop messaging, I don't want to come back after that call, pick up the conversation, and they go, "Oh, sorry, you've timed out. We're going to have to start this whole process again." So, I think I think there's a lot of potential there, either as like that customer service support, or or as a as a an actual marketing channel. But it's be it's going to be done right, and I don't think many brands.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's very much early days. So we, yeah, potentially if we're having this conversation in a year's time, it might be a different story. Stuff's obviously moving so quickly, but I think it'll be interesting to see brands get comfortable and consumers get comfortable with SMS and then maybe WhatsApp is that sort of next next stage but yeah interesting to see what happens
0: yeah cool so just before we finish up is there anyone in the e-commerce world marketing world that you'd want to sit down for lunch with and kind of pick their brands cool
1: that's yeah it's a great question Uh, there are many people and I was sort of thinking about this one but actually I think one person particularly came to mind was the CEO of Shopify Toby and program Mispronounced the surname, but I think it's um. So I just yeah, obviously Shopify revolutionised the way that e-commerce brands are able to sort of sell online. So I think I'd be really interested to grab lunch, coffee, anything, with him, just to understand more about his perspective on what's coming next in the e-commerce space, particularly around AI. You know what he sees are the you know upcoming trends, pitfalls, what they've got on their on their sort of pipeline. Yeah, I'd love to pick his brains around that. So I think I think they've. Yeah, they've come so far. By the interesting to see what's the he sees is sort of the yeah, next big yeah, thing in the next uh, yeah, I'm
0: surprised no one's mentioned it before, actually. Cool. And have you got yeah. one, one final <laughs> piece of the advice you'd offer brands?
1: Oh, so I think we sort of touched on this already, but I think the main thing here is just really focusing on collecting and analysing that customer data to create meaningful segments. Um, um brands get wrapped up in the, the granularity of segmentation, but actually you know, always keep in mind the bigger picture and making sure that the data that you are collecting is useful and informative sort of your sort of your goals going forwards. And then you can use those segments to really create useful buckets of people that you can then send sort of relevant cons to rather than getting too bogged down in, you know, the detail and having multiple segments that maybe are less useful than others. So I think, yeah, really about sort of collecting and analyzing data that is going to help you push the needle forwards or move those benchmarks that you've got in mind rather than sort of starting from the reverse and knowing that you need to segment for, and just sort of going for it having that sort of bigger broader picture in mind around the yeah you know, the, the kpis that you're looking to improve on first
0: yeah absolutely i think great point uh, cool so if anyone wants to reach out and find out more what's the best way of doing that
1: yeah sure so our website so peps up dotco.uk or you can email me georgie at petchart.co.uk I'm also on LinkedIn as you know well prevalent on LinkedIn so sharing lots of tips and stuff there so yeah those are probably the three three best ways to get in touch.
0: Awesome All right, thanks so much Georgie. Cool thanks Will We've both seen this happen a lot with e-commerce brands some will massively over segment build out a dozen or so different email flows segment their campaigns as well and it's just so much time and effort going into sending an email to a tiny number of people Yes, there are some essential flows to set up. And if you can get zero-party data, it's worth segmenting for that as well. But sometimes a bulk email makes sense instead of prepping five different emails to a thousand people each. But when you do have that decent list size and you've got a lot of data, you should absolutely be segmenting. You're going to be driving far better retention by putting the right message in front of the right people at the right time. And you can only do that with segmentation. If you'd like to hear more from Georgie, you can reach out to her on LinkedIn. Any other podcast questions, feedback or guest requests, please send them over to WillCustomersWhoClick.com or DM me on LinkedIn. Next up, I've got Birch Tanier joining me. We're going to be talking about discounting and dynamic pricing. But until then, keep those customers clicking.